Hey there, my name is Russell and I work at the video store. The one just down the road from you that you can go to once a week whenever it is movie night. I love this job because when the store is quiet, I get to watch movies and series all day long and talk about them with my friends that work here. But occasionally, some interesting people pop in to, to rent something and that's exactly what happened today. We are joined by producer and filmmaker Robbie Thorpe. He, he's someone we've had a lot to do with over the years at the Bioscope. We've screened a lot of the stuff he's made, and it's just great to, to catch up and have this kind of conversation with him. We, we recently reconnected because he has been doing a series of live shows. He approached us recently to, to put on uh, this one-man show. We did it at the start of, of August. It very quickly sold out, which was amazing. And all his friends and family have encouraged him to do another one. And so it's called Robbie Thorpe is a Born Liar. And it is on the 31st of August at the Bioscope. Tickets are still currently available. And it's just yeah, great anecdotes, great stories of, of, of him um, in an interesting time in South Africa, which I think is, is why he, he's such a fascinating guy to, to chat to. He was there on the front lines for a lot of the, the end of apartheid from a, from a very cool punk rock point of view and 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 that kind of stuff really interests me and and it was cool to to chat to him more about that so let's get into it this is a visit from robbie thorpe did you see that thing yesterday on the tv Hey, it's Robbie. How's it going? <laughs> cool, man. It's nice to see you. Yeah, nice to see you, man. What's uh, what's been keeping you busy? Yeah, you know, work, doing stuff, earning a living, all of that stuff. Just done a couple of series for Netflix. That's amazing. Yeah, it what, is. What are the what are the series? There's one that's just started, or um, Justice Served. Um, which yeah, is the number yeah. one show in South Africa. It is. Week. I saw that this morning. Yeah, yeah. And then there's another one coming, The Brave Ones, coming in September. Yeah. And and you producing? Yeah, well, what they call an executive producer, which That's is like a creative producer, I guess, in some way. What's the kind of means of the money? Yeah, it's, they use it in a slightly different way because I promise you I had nothing to do with the money. <laughs> Thank God they gave us all the money. so We didn't have to worry about it is a new experience for me. So this is commissioned by Netflix? Yeah, they're both commissioned by Netflix, yeah. And there's no there's no South African office. You deal with no, like Amsterdam, yeah, don't you? Yeah, they've got a whole way of working. The whole world, so it's, it's either Hollywood or the whole rest of the world works through Amsterdam, yeah. Not Do you think it's a tax haven? Why is Netflix in Amsterdam? Uh, that you'd have to ask them. Okay. And then how did <laughs> it all... places to be in the world. Yeah. Every time Short Straw's done a little European jaunt, whenever yeah. we end up in Amsterdam, each of us have, on our own account, gone, I could live here. Yeah. Like, I could totally live here. Yeah, like the rooms are a bit small. Everybody lives in very small spaces. But yeah, it's a nice city. Nice yeah. city, yeah. Um, so they just, what, just, who, who, you pitched on it, or? I mean, they all happen in various ways. Yeah. But, I mean, essentially, um, yeah, I mean, the one show I work I did with my partner Akin you know Akin yeah 
Yeah, he's now living in Hollywood because he's just done a big Hollywood movie. Yeah, we must, we must, we must get to yeah. old Akin at some point. And uh, the other one was a, a young guy who was kind of um, he, he he needed somebody to kind of help him and support him. So that was a slightly different one. So he brought me on after the show had been almost completely written. Okay. So that was slightly different. Yeah. So it, it works in different ways, you know. Yeah. I've done it a long time, so I know some things. You know. And this has been the last, what, few years of your life? Yeah, I mean, through COVID, basically. Wild. Shot through COVID. It just as served looks, looks interesting. Yeah, you should watch it. It's good. I saw, I saw a little preview of it. You know how like Netflix gives you a little preview? And it's yes. Like, it's almost like a guy like holds a guy hostage in a courtroom. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I won't give it away, but you should yeah. watch it. Yeah, I think it's an interesting show. Okay. So producing, that's the main thing. That's yeah, kind of always I, well, been the thing. I'm writing a little bit, usually conceptualizing, writing a bit, but mostly producing, yeah. And um, in I, amongst all of this, have you had a chance to watch stuff? What kind of stuff do you consume? The more I watch modern cinema, the more I realize it's not really for me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite obsessed with, with uh, what I guess people would call classic cinema. Yeah, I've always been a bit of a film buff. I mean, that's a little kind of pretentious to describe yourself in that way. But I've always kind of been very interested in cinema historically, as equal to, you know, you know, I, you know, I just I, I'm fascinated by the mechanics of how cinema works, and to understand the mechanics, you've got to go back, yeah. and you've got to watch where the places that things started and how they started because. I think probably the greatest period in, in, in cinema was probably 1920 to 1955. Okay. Yeah. And that's because that's, that's the just, coming of sound. It's the coming of sound, but you, you must remember that at the end of the silent era, they had mastered the art of telling stories without sound in very sophisticated ways. Yeah. And, and so there were great visual stories. Very visual. I mean, amazing. There's just amazing films. And I mean, and, and yeah, so I mean, that's a whole yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very much so. But yeah, I yeah. mean, and then the guys that learnt in the silent era, whether they had got to direct or not, like somebody like Hitchcock, for example, yeah. who did a few silent films, but, you know, made the biggest single impact on cinema that anybody's ever done. I mean, nobody could ever top him because he just did so many things, influenced everything about cinema. Yeah. Even the cinema that we all watch today is so heavily influenced by him because of... He was very meticulous. Well, he's a formalist, right? So he understood that for him, form was more, the most important thing. Form. That's, that's why he called actors cattle because for him, it was how you... They were just another element of the frame and... The, and yeah. And how you use them was in a kind of studied way, in the same way that you Quite use... Quite academic. So at the risk not of he's being... Not, no, he wasn't academic at all because he was very, very commercial. In fact, interestingly... I don't know, are you interested? In yeah, this? very yeah. interested. Okay, okay, so I mean, interesting... Hitchcock was not considered to be a, a great at all, in the in, certainly in the Hollywood system. It's only when the the cachet de cinema guys, the, the French guys, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who did the sort of first serious writing about cinema yeah. said Hitchcock's the greatest filmmaker that ever lived and really? everybody so went are you kidding me Hitchcock's the great what are you saying he makes these sort of B grade movies and they said no 
and 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 they elevated him and and from that moment people understood and then there's a famous cinema one of the great cinema books is is Truffaut Hitchcock yeah which is a you know the book right no but i mean i know if you Truffaut. can ever get your hands on it that is a and mm. in fact i've got a copy i'll give you one i've Thanks, got two man. copies oh you should read it yeah and it's um it's a conversation between Truffaut and Hitchcock in which Truffaut has seen every single film Hitchcock's ever made and he's kind of telling Hitchcock why it's a great film. Interesting. Yeah, it's really fascinating. It's it's great. Okay. Yeah, they did, they made a film actually as well which wasn't so good because it's probably made too long after the actual thing happened. Okay. But yeah. So Hitchcock for me greatest film. I mean I have to say with some degree of embarrassment when I name my favorite filmmakers that yeah. they're all quite awful men. They're yeah. all quite awful white men. <laughs> so that's problematic. But unfortunately, yeah. that I, and this is why I've always had to be able to, to separate the art from the artist because yeah. I don't think Hitchcock was a very pleasant human. But it's, also, it's one of those things where there was also just not that much access for other people to be filmmakers so it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll never no, no, forget all of those things yeah so i'll never forget someone saying like oh you can't really say babe ruth was the greatest baseball player he was the greatest white baseball player yeah or like he was the greatest w baseball player of that time like of the people who got the chance yeah, to play yeah, baseball yeah, of course it's really interesting yeah no of course of course and if you look and if you look now it's not exactly a sport that's dominated by white people so yeah <laughs> yeah suggests sure. right yeah yeah, of course, all of those things. And I'm I'm not ahistorical ever. I understand that history is a thing that we all, as distasteful as whatever, we have to deal with the fact that it is, and it is what it is. Even my own timeline and my own life, I have to deal with the fact that, you know, I, there's a lot of stuff that would have been completely different if we'd lived in a country that had been fair for, for all the people yeah. living in it, right? <laughs> so, but, so, I mean, I'd say Hitchcock... Fritz Lang, I don't know how yeah. well you know Fritz Lang. N not as well as I should, but of course it's the name that... Fritz Lang, well, I mean, all you have to do is watch a film called M. Yeah. I mean, that is yeah. like... An, like, Well, there's two films. The, the, the Testament of Dr. Mabuza and, and M are so genius because you can see an incredible imagination at work. Yeah. And, you know, these guys weren't borrowing from anybody else they were doing yeah, it kind for of the, the first, first thinkers, guys yeah. you know they were doing the stuff when nobody had ever thought maybe we should do this stuff and then charlie chaplin is my other one and uh, you know he was some say you know very very problematic in terms of his personal life because he seemed to like younger women is it yeah so, okay. but he, you I, know, I was he, mentioning the other day how, like, it wasn't too long ago that Elvis was with Priscilla Presley, and like, she was fourteen. Yeah, I know. It's like, and that wasn't, anyway, that wasn't too long ago. And no but, one blinked in those days. But Chaplin, just because, if you know, he he not only his silent films. In fact, I think I prefer his his talkies, as they call them, films like The Great Dictator or Musso they're just brilliant. They just how have you brilliant. how have you consumed these over the years? Like a DVD or something? Or yeah, I mean, you know, so any chance that I'm ever get to watch a film like that on a big screen, so I'm mm. I'm privileged in the sense that I've been to film festivals and I've been to places where cinema is celebrated, or or I've go to cities in which there are independent cinemas that still show old films or yeah so i've been lucky to 
on the odd occasion, there's some films that very memorably I've seen on the big we've, screen. We've done a little bit of Chaplin here and there. Well, there was something that we did at one point to celebrate the Mozart Festival. Right. Where we got um, um, old silent films done, where there was a live improvised score nice. in, the, in, the, in the front. Paul yeah. Hamner, have you ever met Paul? And I know Paul very well. Yeah, yeah, so he would sit in the front and, and play yeah. and sometimes have like Carlo Mombelli or like they've been, yeah. Yeah, those, those are special. Paul, Paul was in the Cherry Faced Lurches at some point in his career. Really? Yeah. He was played keyboards with James in the Cherry Faced Lurches. Oh. Yeah. That's our name. I, I was always, I, know, know I was that. always kind of the tour manager or the yeah. So, so the I'd love to yeah <laughs> chat to you more about that because that's the one thing I've picked up on is that you, yeah, your your youth and that kind of what was that sort of twenties thirties. How old was I at the time? Yeah, with James. So James is older than me. Um, he's probably five years older than me. But I we lived together. I I, I mean I met him probably when I was eighteen. Okay. So. So, through my 20s and and yeah probably mostly through my 20s yeah so this was an exciting scene that i almost imagine i would be a part of if i was yeah in, in your in in that time and it was the white anti-government anti-apartheid yeah sort of movements like whatever what you well, could do mostly through music i'll tell you what it was because it's quite specific okay it was the white left that was skeptical of hard politics. Yeah. So, in other words, all the people that changed nothing in the country because there were these other bunch of white guys that were really doing important things like smuggling guns and, and stuff. And so they're the real heroes of the story. <laughs> we were just absolutely, yes, we were certainly in no way uh, pro-apartheid. And in fact, you know, we found enclaves like Jamison's, that were technically open to everybody. So that was the so, bar in, in so, downtown. So they weren't. They weren't. I mean, I, I, I'd say that, you know, there weren't very many people there that weren't white, but there were people, and 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 that's how we wanted it to be. We had yeah. this idea um, that it would be a great thing, but as I say, we were too busy. It was kind of a sex drugs and rock and roll situation rather than let's overthrow the man <laughs> kind of vibe you know so don't want to overplay it in any way yeah, yeah yeah but i mean you know having said that if you are familiar in any way with james phillips's music i mean he wrote and, and you understand the lyrics and they've just released the other white, white album yeah i bought it on vinyl yeah and i mean the lyrics are radical he wrote yeah. radical lyrics i mean he wrote about special branch torturing people he wrote shut down uh, mm. I mean, the lyrics on those songs are of that time. I haven't actually read more ly more radical lyrics than than he was writing. Yeah. So, and 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 you know, he's tuned. I guess how we were different is that he tuned us into the idea that we were somewhat Africans, and we and and he loved everything that. You know, everything that came from Africa, he loved it. He embraced yeah. that idea. Yeah, he wasn't trying to be somewhere else. No, he, he wasn't trying to thing. be somewhere else, and he didn't play cover versions. And at that time, that, that meant you just didn't get to play anywhere. I mean, it sounds mad now, but yeah. bands weren't allowed to play their own, own songs. I mean, it was a mad thing. It was, I mean, that time is, it's very hard to even for ourselves, the whole idea of the segregation and how mad it all was. Yeah. It's very hard to compute it. We yeah. just lived it, but it, it was it was so mad. What was know? that other thing that you said to me about it? It also epitomized the time. It was about drugs, where you were like, all my buddies 
what what did you something like cocaine? Uh, <laughs> what did you say? I, okay. I can't remember. I mean, well, I, I, you know, the point about drugs in those days is that that we, we didn't have access to drugs. So yeah, yeah, yeah. So the, the it because of the 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 apartheid thing was so pervasive. Like any other time, that sort of group of people, we would have all you know there've been a lot of drugs but yeah we were sort of confined to very few types of drugs just because of what could make its way into they the country they couldn't get into the country we were like yeah. in a kind of a lockdown you know and and things just didn't come so we everyone smoked a lot of dacha every now and again somebody would find some LSD and it was always dubious probably made by somebody who got a recipe sent because no internet yeah. from somebody but, you know, and then what happened is that at the age of about into their 30s, suddenly there was cocaine and then a whole bunch of people just lost their minds, right? <laughs> some of them were still out there doing it. Yeah. You know, some of them never came. And, and yeah, so, so in, uh, you know, I lost a lot of friends, but they died through drunk driving, not through oh, drug overdosing. Oh, that's what over, you're saying. Not, through, not through drug overdose. It wasn't so much drug overdosing. Yeah, yeah, it was drunk driving. I mean, I lost two very close friends, including James Phillips. Yeah. But it's interesting how they are. These things live on. Like he's the main stage at Opikopi. Now, of course, now all you want is for Opikopi to live on. It, it might not. But yeah. but it's great how James Phillips gets gets memorialized like that. You made the film that we screened yeah. at the Bioscope, famous yeah. for not being famous. Yeah, because he was never the main stage in his real life. Yeah, he was only the main stage after he died. A little bit like Hitchcock. Yeah. Yeah, and also because he. You know, he, he even though he he was so tuned in. Anyway, fuck, James is a whole oh, story. We could, like, we, like, yeah, yeah we that's a whole another thing. Yeah. So, is there nothing that you're consuming at the moment that that in terms that of cinema? Yeah, well, also just TV shows. I mean, we talk about TV shows here. Oh uh, yeah, I mean, I think TV, what's exciting you these days? I think TV is more interesting. Um, I think for me, you know, cinema seems to have just to maybe finish that point has become very dominated and certainly the sort of zeitgeist of cinema is very dominated by a very particular type of sort of fantasy sure cinema stroke superhero stuff which, yeah no i mean that's which is really not that interesting right sure and i mean within that whole conversation there might be versions of it that are more interesting than others sure but i think if you um i think television seems to be where the more interesting storytelling is, has ended up. Yeah, but, sure. I mean, again, there's just an enormous amount of stuff. Very hard to consume it because it's even hard to find what's good, right? So that's the point of this. That's the point of the video yeah. store. That's that, like, I don't think this podcast could have existed two or three years ago. Yeah. Like, it's, it's now overwhelming. Yes. And it's now like you can't keep up. So, so the best we can do is chat about the things that are exciting. So I'll tell you what's exciting. Mm. Watch Alfred Hitchcock's uh, Vertigo. That's a, a great film. Like you can watch it at any time. It doesn't matter. We don't have to be obsessed about when it's it on, was made. It's on Netflix. I don't know where it is. I think I it's know, on Netflix. I don't know where you'd get it. But that is a, a an incredibly good film. Or Rear Window. That's another yeah. film. Those are just unbelievably good films that, I'm, that are good at any time. Yeah. Or, you know, this I could go on and on. So... You know, cinema lasts forever, and actually, you, you have to. It's like trying to listen to a new kind of music. You know, if you're a musician, at some point in time, if you listen to music long enough, you become somewhat interested in jazz because you realize 
these motherfuckers can play better than anybody else. And therefore, what the, what are they doing and how are they doing it becomes interesting to you. Yeah. So for me, that's where I am in life. I'm trying to understand the roots of, 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 of filmmaking, but I'm also trying to identify people that are doing stuff that, that maybe is the equivalent of freeform jazz, like a guy like Bella Tarr or somebody like yeah. that, who I find fascinating because he's trying to do create new rhythms and stuff in his cinema. But I would never recommend yeah. that well, to anybody else. Straight there. Have you seen? Straight um, there, yeah. Have you seen the film Everything Everywhere All at yeah, Once? Yeah, I have. Did that excite you? No. Oh. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought it would. No, I didn't. It didn't excite me. I thought it was okay. I oh, thought it wow. was a little it bit like mind. being smashed in the face for repeatedly for a very <laughs> sustained period of time. And I thought that would have cracked open something. No, for you. I, I've, there's been versions of of that's not as new as anybody. That you know, even this idea of the multiverse is sure, a sure, very no, 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 old, sure, like Marvel idea, right? Of course, but that's why it was so but, nice to to not see it as a Marvel. I movie. know, but I think there's a. I think for me that the, the, this is the problem is that I think people are struggling with with there's a desperation to be profound and actually for me it's not it's quite shallow actually that's not profound there's no, okay. like you know there's a there's a thing that you say like one of the guys when, when somebody's trying to do a story and you try and, and you're trying to kind of look at more deeper subjects so mm. somebody says what's the story i said well tell me the story without the plot right so what is your story really about mm. is it really about anything that is so fundamentally interesting that um you know that you go oh my god that was such a profound experience it's an immediate yeah anyway i get I that i, know what you're saying, I yeah. get that people like it and i don't want to take that away from anybody and and it's a film it is an, it's a more interesting film sure than a lot of other films but anyway just getting back to the tv thing yeah um so i saw which i thought was really really good and it might just be because it talks to my time yeah but danny boyle's pistol which ironic pistol. yeah so it's about the sex pistols but it's about mm. the sex pistols from the point of view of 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 Steve Cook now not many people know that it was actually his band because he was he Johnny Rotten and Sid Vicious sort of got all the headlines he was a guitarist who couldn't play but by the time you know now he's considered one of the great guitarists right Steve Cook and he didn't yeah. have a cool like no Sort of Jones, name. Sorry, it's not Steve Cook. It's 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 Jones. It's it's Cook and Jones. Sorry, I'm confusing. It's Steve Jones and Peter. Is it, anyway, Cook and Jones were like the rhythm section. So yeah. sorry, it's Jonesy. It's his band. Yeah, you have to edit that. Yeah, no, 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 got worry. it wrong. Anyway, and and he's was very close to Chrissy Hunt. In fact, the whole scene of of punk was so unlikely, mm. and it all kind of coalesced around Vivian Westwood's shop sex. Right, which okay. is this totally outrageous sort of shop in in Chelsea, in the Kings Road in Chelsea. So the fashion almost came first, and then the music yeah. followed. Yeah, and attitude because the fashion was attitude, mm. and and it almost had no chance. And you know, the the the, the number one hit, "God Save the Queen," was never ever played on the radio. I mean, that's quite amazing. Never mind, there's no video, or there was no. Yeah. I mean, there was no media. It was absolutely the kids going, fuck you, this is what we want to l listen to. It was yeah. an incredible, punk was an incredibly misunderstood thing and, sure. and, and really was a fantastic, it could never have happened in America. It could only have happened in England. And it happened, 
And it was just a little brief moment of something that was outside of all the corporations, that was driven completely by the youth in a way that was uncontrolled until they regained control of it. And it's just a fabulous cultural moment. So if you're yeah. interested in culture... So there's a show called Pistol. Called Pistol, six-part series. If you've got Disney+, Plus, it is on there. It's not a Disney, cool. but it's on Disney+, Plus because mm. it's Star, I think, yeah, Star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you'll find it, Pistol. Danny Boyle, you know, Danny but, Boyle, yeah. transporting guy. But is it, a, is it a biopic or is it a... It's a biopic because, because not a Jonesy, Steve Jones wrote the biography. So it's based... That's why mm. it's an unusual perspective of, of the Pistols because he was less known. But he was a fascinating character, right? Yeah. And he interacted with all of these cultural... You know, Malcolm McLaren, obviously. Yeah, it's, it's is, always is interesting the when, there's a, when there's another story. Or yeah. a story that hasn't really been told. Exactly. Like, there's a great Beatles book called Shout. Yeah. And that also just, you know, points you to the fact that so much of the Beatles was a propaganda that they put out. Like yeah. officials, Beatle, Beatles magazines yeah, sure. gave you all the fluff. Yeah. Nobody spoke about like, you know, John Lennon has a bunch of illegitimate children. Yeah. He's paid like, you know, for court cases to be thrown out. Yeah. And battery charges. Like he, he, there was like, there was... He was accused of abuse. Yeah. It was interesting. And um, uh, that's what was quite nice about the Elvis film. Have you seen Elvis? No, I haven't. But people keep telling me I should see it. Yeah, I'm not a big cool. Baz Luhrmann guy because he's a bit too, he's a bit too sort of razzmatazzish for me. That's what sort of put, first of all, I'm not an Elvis fan because I yeah. grew up in Edenville and everybody liked Elvis. <laughs> <laughs> so that meant I couldn't like Elvis. You just couldn't. No. No, and, I you, was more, and you were too punk rock for uh, It was for punk Elvis. and Bob Marley. Bob Marley is a big, big, important guy in my life. Oh, yeah? I think I overcompensated for being white, but only all my heroes were black. Okay. Like Muhammad Ali was a very yeah. amazing character for me because I was completely obsessed with him, even though I didn't really like boxing. Yeah. Because I just couldn't read enough about i just thought he was just this incredible man yeah and bob marley was the music that helped me understand that i wasn't mad because yeah. i lived in you know apartheid was a bit like um, the stepford wives yeah there wasn't a lot of information that we got from the outside world so when yeah. you heard uh you know peter tosh to some degree is i used to sing as long as you're a black man you're an african it was a big song for me <laughs> so yeah, oh, it's interesting. I yeah, think. yeah. I think that was overcompensating a bit, but yeah, yeah. I think that's how it helped me get through. And because you know, everybody else told me a different story. Nobody in my, you know, my family didn't tell me that it was wrong. My education didn't tell me that it was wrong. Yeah. So I, you I've, had to kind of find out yourself. You know? Like a very blurry memories yeah. of, of being young. I mean, and 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 I'll never forget being a part of an exchange program with NYU and often showing these tour groups, these Americans around. And we went to the Hector Peterson Museum and we went to the Apartheid Museum. And, you know, there's a moment where they sort of turn to you and they're like, so what was it like? And you're like, yeah. Uh, yeah, so, so, you, so yeah. as you can see from the Apartheid <laughs> Museum, they worked very hard at creating a white paradise. Yeah. I lived in that white paradise. Yeah. So I was kind of none the wiser for the most part of my life. Yeah. And, you know, my best buddy in primary school was the first 
South African black kid to sort of be enrolled in Bryanston Primary. Yeah. You know, when yeah. we were in grade one. So I like literally just came in yeah. at the sort of transformation. So yeah. I mean, you were showing people the museum. At, in my youth, they were busy shooting Hector Peterson. <laughs> you know, that's Jesus. just the difference. Yeah. yeah. No, it's wild. Oh, it's wild. It was wild. Yeah. No, I, I took an Uber the other day. I think it was on Youth Day. And it was a much older guy. And, and he was talking about how he, he, he remembers that day. Yeah. I mean, you know, even the scene. So you go back to the, the, the music. And then the music, which I always think, like, you know, the great cultural moments are inspired by something. I mean, the, the single biggest cultural moment that I can think of in America is absolutely inspired by the Vietnam War. You know, they say yeah. 1971 is the greatest year for music ever. And there's a real case to be made from for that. And actually, almost all of it is in some way a response to Vietnam. And, and I think that for us, culturally, we were all trying to avoid the army. You know, we were all yeah. war resistors of some kind. And so we had to kind of bandy together out of protection because... There were people that if they found out the truth about us, they could use that information against us in some ways. Mm. I mean, that was James's big thing of always, because he was on the run from the army, he wanted to play to big crowds, but if he became too famous, then he would, they would realize that he, you know, mm. there was issues. So it, it was a funny, so, so we all sort of, even though we might not have had anything else in common, the music, uh, because we knew it was okay, it was cool, it was politically okay yeah um we sort of we coalesced around that and that became a little scene it was never big because obviously it was it a been, very yeah. much as a sub um what do you call it sub, yeah, sub like a subculture yeah a very small subculture of people yeah that's cool man yeah um something to just circle back to is you spoke about akin yeah who we got to know in the early days of the bioscope he's come in with a few films that we've yeah. screened here and he shot his tv show at the bioscope didn't he he, sh he ken he, and andy go to the movies he had a film review show yeah that they shot at the bioscope yeah which was really cool and a cool honor to be a part of we were also in a scene and in, in man shot man shot no no what is it called? man on ground man on ground right getting a few of my yeah. titles mixed up but yeah they shot they shot inside the bioscope for that or in the chalkboard section yeah. which was cool but now he's a big shot. Yeah, he's a big shot. Yeah, he's um he's done amazingly well. Yeah, just did a big Disney film. Yeah. So he's Rise. just done a big yeah made made for Disney Plus. Yeah, a film called Rise, which yeah. is about a basketball player. Hey, yeah, basket a Nigerian. Interesting, like the probably the maybe the second biggest basketball player in America. So like incredibly famous, Giannis, but he's not. We don't know him, but he's very big there. So it's a it's a film about it's a biopic. But it's a story of his youth, really, in which he was born in Greece to an illegal immigrant family. So he was he was he grew up as an illegal immigrant, mm. and obviously ended up having this massive destiny to go yeah. on to be this big guy. But it's really the story of his youth and the difficulty of even being able to play basketball when you don't have papers, right? Yeah, and and Akin is, would yeah would be the best person in the sense that he's a Nigerian. Born. Yeah, exactly. And so and he loves basketball. And he loves basketball. He's yeah. a super tall. Perfect. I mean, he's tiny guy. compared to, to Giannis. Giannis is really? six foot nine or something. So he, he, it's out. Yeah, it's on Disney Plus, actually. And is is he now off onto other things? Yeah, he? yeah. I mean, you know, 
it was very well received that film um mm -hmm. and yeah so he's yeah he, he can do really whatever he wants now and are you still working with him yeah i still regard? work with him yeah 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 still okay so he hasn't but so he's you know it depends on on what the opportunities to work together are but we always take them when they come you know because you were you were effectively together as business yeah, we've partners been, well we still are we're still partners yeah R i Rafifi, mean what's the company rafifi's no longer it's now kinesthetic he's we've we've had like four different companies yeah, over yeah, the years because yeah. we're not focused on the business you know yeah, we're focused yeah. on the work yeah so um yeah i mean i think i don't know how many years 2003 maybe something like that yeah. we've been working together since it's a long time yeah. yeah, no, he's a lovely dude, and yeah. Katerina, his wife, was also a big part of the bioscope. Yeah, as a as a sort of a, a programmer, as yeah. a bit of a cultural person. She's still she, doing that. I she, mean, she, she's fantastic. She's if you want to know about um, what's what in sort of modern cinema. Yeah, she's super she, super she's, on the ball. She's on the ball. She watches everything. So yeah. she know a lot more than me. Yeah. Um. So Pistol's a good one. Okay. I like that. And then um on Apple TV. There's a show called Severance. Yes, yeah, I've spoken about it. Yeah, which I thought was yeah. pretty interesting. Did it? Did it do something for you? Yeah, I liked it. I liked the fact that the pacing of it can be quite slow, mm. and in that way, you can, you know, get to a sort of deeper understanding of the characters yeah. in some ways. I like that. Yeah, you, it doesn't have you, to all be action and all be. Kind yeah, of when it needs to be hour. claustrophobic and uniform and mundane, it makes that for yeah. you. So you feel that. Yeah, and I like the and I, the the the, you know the the styling. And that's why you can't do anything new because I can only tell you what I can tell the influences of the cinema, right? Yeah. I well, mean, what were some of those? Well, two thousand and one, Space Odyssey is a big influence on on mm, the on the on office. Seven. Yeah. Uh, yeah, on yeah. their office. Yeah, yeah. on the yeah. styling of the office. You can see yeah. that. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's just always, you know, that's what you're struggling with, which is why. I don't think you should see it as a struggle. I think you should. No, no, it's fine. Yeah. I'm just saying it's harder for me to understand how that fits into this, which is not what we're talking about. Yeah, there's there's many things that you can just consume and watch and have a, a good time watching. Yeah. And that's what we talk. And I have no issue with that, of course. That's what people must do. Yeah. But, I, you know, if we're talking about the pantheon of, like, what is the great things that have been done in cinema, I, I struggle. I mean, you know, the last, the last big moment in cinema, really, was when in, in Easy Rider in the 1970s, had been turned down by every major um, Hollywood studio. And it went on to be the most profitable film of all time at that stage, right? I think okay. it, I think Deep Throat eventually over, overtook it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, and it was just because they realized, oh, my God. And, and this is, again, it's, it's, it's inspired by Vietnam, and it's the whole hippie thing, and culture has just become a uh, something that we no longer understand, right? What did they realize? That they couldn't make those decisions anymore because they didn't know what people wanted. Because oh, all oh, you of mean them the big, thought that the big that, media, the big media yeah, decision makers all, were like, oh, all the we, studios that we, we don't know. We don't know. Because, we don't have a handle on it. Because yeah. our job is to make profits. He has this film that's the most profitable film, and we all turned it down because we thought it was shit. And what that led to was this big moment in where the directors became 
very kind of important and the studio started to really listen to them and there was and of course they fucked it up because they they were all cocaine addicts and smoked too much dacha and stuff <laughs> <laughs> but there's a very interesting moment in american cinema bonnie and clyde is made in that time there's this really yeah. interesting cinema that's made at that time that comes to an end with people like george lucas and steven spielberg who are not hippies who are corporate men. sort of brought it back brought into it back a, they, you know they're hmm. very skilled guys but they sort of brought then because of course the studio always felt comfortable with doing those kinds of films you know mm. but yeah i, I mean there's say, some I, very I struggled a bit with easy rider yeah maybe, maybe because it's not of my era or it just wasn't made for me but like it just sort of ends kind of weirdly oh uh, yeah it's pretty weird the whole way through though and it's but bit, you know like having it's a meditative ass- throughout and you can kind of appreciate it, these sort of slice of life kind of moments and it's not plot it's not hugely yeah. plot driven but then it sort of just comes to this like sort of weird end <laughs> yeah but also people were watching movies that were not plot driven you yeah. know so it became a whole thing like people you know the other thing about having to understand cultural moments is that you have to kind of immerse yourself you can't pluck something out and go oh, yeah it has to be seen you in have to be seen in a con- you have to be interested enough which yeah. which I, I completely appreciate that most people aren't and i don't expect people to be you've got to be a nerd you've got to be a sure, sure. an anorak to be that interested but the thing about culture is that it is you cannot ever separate modern cultural movements from the drugs that people were taking at the time <laughs> They're completely linked, hundred percent. The hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, reggae music has yeah, got sure. as much to do with Dacha than it has with anything else. That hippie thing has got as much so to much do with LSD. LSD. It's totally LSD. You know. And what do you what do you think the drug is of now? I'm less. I'm you know I'm not in. I'm an old guy now. Yeah. So I'm, but I'd I, you know I'd um, certainly the the punk period of time was speed. Yeah. Of like cheap speed. Yeah. Like whatever you could get your hands on, like yeah. diet pills or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It was kind of that kind of cheap speed. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't know what people are up to necessarily. Yeah. But I can no, tell it's you. Interesting to see it. And, and I don't know that, that, you know, culture, does it work from the inside out anymore or is it so controlled by the corporations? I mean, these ideas of singing competitions are just a total horror to me, right? Yeah. The idea that these these awful humans that sit and give you a buzzer and tell you you're okay yeah. and that's has a yeah. massive influence on the music. I mean that is so sterile yeah. and so cuck. Yeah. Whereas the idea that there could be these guys in a moment that could be playing at a club somewhere in Liverpool or in London or I don't know where in the world. Yeah. And they would go on to be phenomenons based on a thing they were doing. They would become part of a movement and they would become... That feels to me like it probably doesn't happen anymore. Well, yeah. So probably not in the pop idol sense. But every now and again, you now hear an interesting story. Like there's a really cool interview with Dave Grohl talking about how he took his daughters to a Billie Eilish concert. And sure, so in his head, he was like... This looks like a Nirvana show. Yeah. This is, looks exactly like a Nirvana show, but not in a bad way. Yeah. Like for him, he's like, this is awesome. Yeah. Like there's a scene. Here. Yeah. There's yeah, a yeah. look. There's a feel. There's a. Yeah. And, and, it, and for those people, no, of this course. is totally their own. No, no, of course. The of fact course. So that that's it's come I, no, so many times before. No, like, no, it doesn't matter. Of course it doesn't matter. Yeah. Absolutely. That's no, and you look at a guy 100%. like Harry Styles and you're like, this his interesting sort of almost androgynous yeah. kind of dress 
is reminiscent of Bowie and Freddie Mercury. Yeah, and, yeah. And it's, it's no, lovely. No, I mean, I'm the wrong guy cause for that stuff because I'm totally, I'm ignorant yeah. about what's going on. So, of course, there's scenes. Of course, people are loving. Yeah, but it's, yeah, it's not a conversation. It's just, yeah. that, it's just that it's interesting that these, no, no, of course. that these moments can happen again. I, I think that was the feeling that you were trying to say. Yeah. Perhaps these moments yeah. aren't happening, but they are. But I, I guess I said it maybe in a slightly clumsy way. I, my observation about it isn't that, of course, people aren't feeling a part of something and are having a good time. Or Of course, it's all happening. But the influence now of corporations on everything sure. is so pervasive. Yeah. And for me, that we've lost something in that, right? Yeah. And I don't know what the actual effect that, that is on all of these things, but I assume that it must be something. And that's a little sad that there are these accountants somewhere that decide that have a very big effect on, on all of this stuff. Yeah, and, and sure. you know, when I was growing up, the, the music industry was trying to catch up with the musicians. You know, the, the, they were trying to work out how, what should we do? How mm. should we do this? You know? Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Okay. So we got those two. Got yeah. Pistol. And uh, what was the other one? You want more. Severance. No, no, no. No, no, no. I don't need more. No, just curious to know. But yeah. I think... I think um, In terms of films, I don't even... Like, so little stands out for me in the... I'd tell you what film that i really remember i really enjoyed uh the last film i remember going to the cinema and enjoying was um was nomad land uh the francis mcdormand film yeah well yeah, lovely well chloe, she added Ch it. chloe Zhao. yeah actually the director but yeah i liked that i thought that was a Good. really interesting take on you know american society S second second female to ever win an best director yeah yeah first woman of of color yes or of, of um minority the, but n no black person has ever won best director that's probably true yeah. they've been nominated yeah like the spike lees uh, of the no, world no, no, i think uh, he's film one moonlight one but he didn't win director nobody's won barry, director um um what's his yeah. name barry jenkins jenkins yeah, yeah. Interesting, yeah, that eh? is interesting. I mean, look, it's a matter of time. You know, the, the, the good thing, I mean, other people might have a different view in terms of how much opportunity, but there's certainly the, the industry's changed in a very positive way. Mm. And, I mean, there's more women directors and, and they're good. I mean, and just which shows, like, how mad is it that people were denied opportunity when, yeah. like, they, like, I've watched so many films by woman in the last couple of years and and I thought this film would never have been made by a man and that's a great thing because yeah. we've we've expanded the horizon of cinema but it, and the same way and it's true of course of of, of african americans of, of had such a massive i mean they've owned american culture yeah. in so many ways but been quite excluded in film but that's changed i mean it's when, changing yeah. all the time when, now when you know a word that i got sort of I was learning sort of more and more to get the sort of the bottom of is when someone speaks about something being systemic and it's like, you know, that the whole system is rigged yeah. in a particular way. Yeah. And I don't think anything better describes it than the Academy Award for Best yeah. Director. Yeah. Because to get all the way to director yeah. and the politics of winning that award yeah. says so much about a system. Yeah. You know, you can write you can do costume you can do makeup and those are all parts of the cogs but the highest yeah cog in many ways is that director that's true and if you've if the system allows for 
those kinds of movies to be made, for those for the politics of those people to be recognized. Yeah, it says a lot. No, it's a big thing, and uh, and uh, and as I say, I'm sure we can always be doing more. But it's nice to be able to. Um, I mean, I, I really enjoyed Moonlight. Uh, I really cool. thought that was a it was a good film. Yeah, I really enjoyed that. Look, man. Yeah. But listen, I got to get back to work here. Yes, excellent. <laughs> I've got nothing to do, so should I just carry on speaking to myself? <laughs> <laughs> well, you can browse. You can browse the video uh, store, and you yeah. can come back any cool, other man. time. Cool, man. Well, thanks for having me. No, it's so cool to pick your brain. It's so cool yeah. to hear you talk. I mean, we must we must um we must do this again soon. Well, I'm sure the public will demand it. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool, man. Thanks, okay. Robbie. Cheers, then. Cheers. All right, that's it. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, my name is Russell Grant, and today I was chatting to Robbie Thorpe. Thank you for listening to the video store. We love and appreciate you, and uh, it's great to have you here. Please tune in for more. We are going to do this every week. And we've got some lovely episodes coming up. So we're real excited about that. If you want to uh, share the love, we are thevideostore.co.za. Let's get in touch over on Facebook. We have a Facebook group there. So facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash thevideostore. Please post trailers, post whatever you want. Just let's let's all be sharing what we think is, is cool and interesting and what we're enjoying out there. And then we can join our ever-growing little community on Instagram. We are the Video Store Pod on Instagram. But Lekka, thanks for tuning in, and we will see you soon.